it! I need my Zuno! I've run out of Zuno! What am I gonna do now? Ah, Zuno! Ingrid, I need my Zuno because traditional hand-in-home sanitizers only work whilst wet, meaning bacteria can land and multiply soon after application. Yes, that's right, Ian. And Zuno's innovative technology continues to protect your family after application and is proven to be effective on the skin for up to 24 hours and surfaces for up to 30 days. Yes, Zuno is water-based and alcohol-free. Zuno products are perfect for humans, but deadly to bacteria. I need... I need my Zuno. Ian, chill out, man. Visit Zuno.com now and there's 40% off store-wide, while stocks last. And also, listeners to the What The CF podcast will get an extra special gift if they use our magical discount code. Ooh. Add all of your purchases to your cart as normal and then add two 50ml hand sanitizers to your cart. Then add the discount code WTCF and those two 50ml hand sanitizers will be totally free. You heard it right, free. So remember, you must add your two 50ml hand sanitizers to your cart with your other purchases. Add the discount code WTCF and they will be free. Visit Zuno.com to claim your free What the CF gift now. 40% store-wide while stocks last. Zuno.com. I love Zuno. Welcome to What the CF. It's 2023 and this is season three of What the CF, a cystic fibrosis podcast. I'm Ingrid and thank you so much for joining us again for another series of cystic fibrosis stories. So just to follow on from the Zuno promotion you just heard, the 40% off store wide does exclude the UK, but it is in USA, New Zealand and Australia. However, the discount code that gives you the two free 50ml hand sanitizers which is WTCF, that is a global code. But please remember to add the sanitizers to your cart first with your other purchases, then put the code in and they will come up free. Now this first episode of series three is a back to school special because down here in New Zealand and Australia, we're about to start a new school year. And that means that some children with CF will be starting school for the first time. This is quite a nerve wracking milestone for the parents of children with CF. So I've spoken to mum of two, Helen Oliott, whose nine-year-old Sophia has CF. We chat about how she prepped for school, how she chose a school, what information she gave, how she made sure Sophia could have her Creon, how she managed making sure she got the, the good diet continuing, and then later down the line, how she managed things like school camps and allowing Sophia to live a full and inclusive school life. Helen's a great mum, a great person to chat to about these kind of things. She's had lots of experience of working within the school itself as well, and um, so I'm sure you'll find what she says useful. But but please do get in touch with us with your feedback and other tips with starting school that we can share to our networks. If you would like to get in touch with us, you can email on wtcfpod at gmail.com. You can find us on Instagram at whatthecfpod. You can find us on Facebook at whatthecfacysticfibrosis podcast. Get in touch, send us a message, send us an email. Let us know what you think of the podcast. Let us know if there's other topics you'd like us to cover or people we should chat to. And remember, if you do 
enjoy this episode or any of our episodes and would like to support the production of this podcast, then please visit www.buymeacoffee.com forward slash WTCF pod and you can make a donation to us there. Right, episode one, series three, back to school special. Take it away. Hello, welcome to What the CF Assistic Fibrosis podcast. I'm Ingrid and today I'm having a chat with Helen Oliot. Hi. Um, and we're having a chat today about back to school and CFers and CFers at school and all the different things that parents of CFers have to think about that other parents don't think about because they don't have CF in their lives. So it's basically yeah. a podcast for uh, parents out there who are starting to think about their children going to school or their children have started school and they want to know if, you know, how how they're managing the different risks and challenges that come up for school age children with cystic fibrosis. Um, Helen, would you like to start by maybe introducing yourself a little bit? Tell us a bit about yourself and your family and how CF is part of your life. Yeah, sure. So I'm... um... Helen Elliott. I am um, an English girl who moved to Hamilton about nine years ago with um, my hubby Stu, who's a Kiwi. And we have two children. Sophia is 10 and Amelia is six. Um, And it is Sophia, who's my eldest, who's got cystic fibrosis. So we moved over to New Zealand nine years ago now. My husband is a Kiwi. Um, We moved over here for, I would say the weather, um, although this summer has not <laughs> proved me uh, right with uh, the weather that we've been having with all the rain and uh, what have you. But yes, we moved over here about nine years ago. Sophia, so she's actually going into year six now. Um, I can't believe that. This is her final year of, of her first school. So time has flown by. So Helen, could you tell us a little bit about Sophia's initial diagnosis and how that was dealt with and then you moved over to New Zealand so obviously changed healthcare teams and sort of preschool and that kind of thing. Yeah so um, Sophia was diagnosed at three weeks from the heel prick test. We had I had a quite a tough time the first three weeks after she was born. She wasn't feeding very well. I wasn't sure if it was me or if it was her. She didn't meet her birth weight. And so we were still under the midwife. She was coming every couple of days. Um, And actually, we were rushed into hospital. We went into A&E on a Friday evening. And because she was still underweight and midwives are worried about me. And so was my husband. And we we were taken up onto the children's ward. And really weirdly, the doctor who was on the children's ward that evening was covering And he'd actually just, he was in charge of the CF kids at that hospital and had just been given the results. But with it being a Friday, didn't call us in because we wouldn't be looked after as well as normal. They were going to bring us in on the Monday or the Tuesday and tell us exactly what was going on. So he actually was covering on the Saturday morning and came in and saw us and told us about the diagnosis, which was obviously a shock and quite scary and what on earth is cystic fibrosis? Um, <laughs> but um, we started straight away with the Creon. And so, I, I, t- I mean, it, it takes a long time to get your head around these sorts of things, but I actually felt like I was then doing something positive yeah. 
to try and fix this problem because everything that I tried with the breastfeeding and everything wasn't working. And so here was this amazing Creon and um, she put on, she put on a huge amount of weight just over that weekend. And so it felt like we were moving in the right direction. Um, they tell you not to Google anything about cystic fibrosis. Don't put that straight into the computer because it's quite scary. Yeah. And often you're faced with worst case scenarios. So did you resist Googling? Because I don't know anyone that has resisted. I actually did. That's maybe I'm the oh, only that's one. That's good. Um, that's good. I, I was because I was quite scared, and I was I, it, it yeah. You don't know where what's happened. What you we waited a long time for Sophia to come along. So to be faced with that was 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 really really hard. But then we you know we were out of hospital a few days later, and I was. We started with that routine of we were feeding every three hours on the dot without fail. Even if we were still winding her for an hour and a half after the feed, we were still up an hour and a half later feeding her. We we were quite regimented about it, and but we just knew we were just putting everything. I was just doing everything I possibly could to try and make Sophia's life better mm-hmm. because the one thing that I couldn't fix, the cystic fibrosis, I couldn't get take that off her or take it away from her. So I just did everything in my power to try and fix it all. Yeah. And so, yeah, for a whole year, we were feeding every three hours. And I, I remember dropping that three o'clock in the morning feed. Oh. And it was amazing. <laughs> Actually <laughs> getting so through amazing. the night. But that's great yes. that you get that. That's with Creon that you, um, you know, when I've spoken to other parents when, um, they finally get the diagnosis and then there's something you can do immediately, even though you've got to come to terms with the fact that you've got an incurable condition to deal with. There's something you can instantly do and you've got this, you know, tiny little newborn baby and you just want to do everything you can for them. That relief of something actually working when previously. Yes. Uh, I think maybe for me, because um, Orson was six months old, I'd Googled so much before because I was figuring because we were waiting and figuring out what was going on that I had looked at every worst case scenario because I was, you know, just playing that waiting game. So that's maybe why I read too much, probably. <laughs> yeah, and we used to, I used to remember finding Creon under a chin that had dribbled because you're trying to feed, I was trying to feed it off a spoon to a little tiny three, four week old. I remember finding Creon underneath her chin thinking, oh no, it's not gone in. <laughs> yeah, all the panic um, sets in. Absolutely. Um so then well, you... no, she, she, oh, so we, she was on antibiotics for that first year. And I think that was another thing I felt like I was doing to help. Um, it felt weird giving her antibiotics every day, but I, 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 it just, it did. It felt like I was doing something extra as well. What was the reason for antibiotics for the first year? That's well, that's what they did in the UK at the time. They put them on antibiotics uh... for the first two years, I think. Um, oh, wow. I didn't know that. Yeah. So when when we came, we decided um, to come over to New Zealand for the warmer climate and Stu's family were all here. And I had to fight to have her have that for another year. But it because it was I was told that was what was going to happen. I wanted to keep to that. And I didn't want to change my mind about it, even though it was done a little bit differently here. I still wanted to keep going on that path. So that's kind of a first battle of coming here is discovering that the treatment plan was slightly different from what you had experienced in the UK. 
yes. Yeah. Um, but you did. Yeah, although, so you did continue with those antibiotics till she was two. I did. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. And how was her health during that time? Was that good? Um. Yeah. We. She was. She was quite well. Yeah. I think we've been quite lucky though, because she's always been quite well. We've only had a, a, a handful of admissions for low weight or if she's grown a bad bug. Mm. Um, I can't say whether it was to do with those antibiotics in the first two years, but I felt like it made her a little bit stronger, maybe. Hopefully. Well, yeah. I mean, because with Orson having an older brother, I was resigned to the fact, you know, his brother's going to bring whatever we do. We'll still do everything to protect him. And we, we were in the middle of the pandemic as well, you know, through his life. That's what he's experienced anyway. But I also felt like whatever I do, his brother's going to bring things home. So I felt a bit helpless in, in that regard. But that's wonderful to hear that she had that excellent start in life. Um, so yeah. when, when it came to her starting school... Do you want to tell us a bit about the the school she goes to, how you how you chose the school if you did choose it, um, what sort of fears you had around her starting school? Well, she did go to kindy for a little a little while, just because I was worried about that social aspect of meeting new people. So, what age um, did she start? She did go at three. Yeah. Um, just for a couple of mornings, when the weather was good. <laughs> Um, oh that's good so she got used to having some time away from home before school yeah yeah and of course you have to you have to get them to so that she didn't stay for lunch so I didn't worry about food for lunch but she had a couple of snacks so they had to they still had to help her with their crayon um but my day revolved around making sure all her physio and all her treatments were done first thing and then she would go and play for two three hours and then I'd pick her up again I always felt bad that I was giving somebody else the responsibility of having to watch what she ate and do their crayon correctly. And it's like so a, guilt, that. a guilt that you're you're sort of putting more on some someone. more on someone else. Yes, yeah. But I should should never have felt guilty. The staff were wonderful. The first kindy that she went to, they were just fantastic and went out of their way and had extra hand wash and all sorts around the place and I mean hand washing is is kindies are full of germs anyway so exactly um they wanted to learn more about it and and what they could do to help and that's just amazing yeah um and then we actually moved up to Hamilton um so we went to a whole new kindy where she did she did do four days um and was there for lunch and again I I just knew that if I talked to them and explained and told them my worries and my stresses and they wanted to help. Most of them want to do everything they possibly can for all of the children, not just those special cases. So I felt lucky. I did look at a few different places and pick up vibes and like you would do anywhere, moving house or schools or whatever, you want to get a vibe for a place. And I definitely got vibes for the places that Sophia went to. So moving on to school was a, was another big step. But I did I did look around a couple of schools and I decided to go reapply to one that we were out of zone for. But it was more rural and um, just slightly on the outskirts of town and less children. And so there's only max about 150 children at the school so that I wasn't exposing her to as many germs. Maybe I, I maybe that's my thought behind it. But I was really nervous about her starting school and I 
met with the teacher and the principal before she started. And actually, we were really lucky because our CF nurse from uh, the hospital came along as well, just to help. Brilliant, because they can explain things, take the emotion out of it, because that's what's so difficult is to not. I, I sort of feel like that people might see, you know, a bit hysterical mother in quote marks. Um. Uh, and don't take it in the same because they're so used to having parents come in and, and have their different um, requirements for their kids, etc. that it's making sure that they fully get the message and having a professional there really takes that emotion away. I imagine that was really, really useful. Oh, yeah. She's well, she's like our guardian angel anyway. So, yes, we um very grateful that she just... Uh, told it like it was and yeah exactly takes the emotion away from it not that she's emotionless but no, um, no definitely but because that professional they knew way. yeah how worried I was yes yeah um, um and what were your main worries about her going to school yeah mostly the new germs that she was going to be exposed to gosh keeping her warm worried about her running around in the rain in a t-shirt and catching a cold and washing her hands properly and we we did actually have a separate little pot of pencils for Sophia when she was um in her first new entrance class which I think was a really good idea because it stopped those germ those pens and pencils are full of germs when they're those little children all sharing them all so that was one good thing that we did we had a little pot for her that she used for her own crayons and pencils yeah that, and that we carried a- we've carried that on through that was a question um, I had was about stationery because obviously once they, my eldest son just has just started school, you know, they're obviously sharing everything. How how was that managed then if she had her own stationery and still does? How I mean, she's older now, so she could take control of it more. But she had a little pot on the teacher's desk that she was allowed to go to and, and all the it was explained to all the children as well. We, Sophia eats small amount of foods throughout the morning little amounts often so she doesn't stick to morning tea and lunchtime and so the other children in the class they kind of got used to that Sophia was doing little things that are a little bit different and it just became normal to them. You obviously spoke to the teachers and spoke to the head of the school and explained everything to them. Did you one inform the parents of other children in her class so that they would know about certain precautions that could be taken, i.e. don't send your kid to school unwell? And were the children told? Yeah, so it wasn't she wasn't that she wasn't singled out as as being this little girl's got cystic fibrosis because they wouldn't understand that. No, but they were. Um, they were just, I didn't tell anybody at first. I waited until I got to know some parents before I said, actually, Sophia's got such and such. I often felt myself up like almost apologizing. I remember going to birthday parties and lots of mums might leave the child there, but I would stay. <laughs> and then I'd find myself almost apologising for being in the room. Um, I just I need to stay because if she eats this, then I need to see what, what she's eating. And then just people just got to know me. And gosh, mostly they just totally understood and and then would go out of their way to try and help and say, well, just tell me and I can do it. And you you go and have a break kind of thing. Yeah. Um, oh, that's lovely. So the, teach, the teachers were like that as well in school. Yeah. yeah that's really lovely because I think part of my worries are, you know, I, I don't want to them them to resent the fact they have to do extra for him. 
So I kind of, it starts knowing how comfortable you feel to ask about things like the stationery and, and the hand washing. The good thing is now with, um, well, not good, but with the pandemic is hand washing and hand sanitising still very much in schools and children oh, have grown up. One thing that's come out Exactly. Of <laughs> and children have grown up like we're, you know, very strict about them washing their hands. And um, so yep. it's not that it's just the CF kids that's been raised to do that. Most other children have grown up with doing that well hopefully lots of them are still doing that had anyone at the school had they had a child with cf at that school before or did any of them know anything about cf before you came in and and spoke to them about sophia yeah funnily enough yes they had had a child with cf before but um she didn't start the school until much later on and was much older so was more in control of everything and so they didn't and she was a quite a well child so they didn't have to worry too much whereas with Sophia she was five and it was very much on their shoulders to try and to do all these things because Sophia couldn't and they knew that I was worried and knowing that she was a skinny little thing and I needed to get as much weight on her as possible every meal just to keep her well they wanted to learn all about it yeah fully supported me I was very very lucky yeah that's so nice to have that network that extension of your family and extension of care to your child at school that's that's where you want to be Um, but I I know yeah having got visited a couple of schools and same when we did with daycare you like you said you get the vibe you know the places that are going to be the right place and you know the people that can be the right people and you can just feel it that's what I've said is oh you'll you'll know (laughs) like you can walk in you'll know straight away if it's not right and so that's so great so that's the school she's still at now Yes. Yeah. And they all, I mean, before she was, she wasn't swallowing tablets when she started school. So she, they all knew to sprinkle some crayon in some of her yogurt and, um, and they all knew to how to do it as well. So they, even the teachers that weren't in her class, they talked about it. Um, I remember as well, I did a little spiel all about CF because often they get relievers into class a little flyer which I put in the staff room or they put in the staff room for me and but I also had one in the classroom that had a little bit of a rundown for for Sophia and and some of her challenges that she faced during the day they would always try and point that point the, the reliever to that piece of paper that bit of information now as she's got older we've made her a little passport which the principal signed so it's a little passport that's just a little tiny piece of paper that's laminated that's got a little bit of information on it and it has a couple of the things that they that a reliever should watch out for so she feels like she can just kind of show that to people I'm often going into into a classroom and asking to go to the bathroom you know that lots of children aren't allowed to do that they're only allowed to do it at morning tea and lunch unless it's an emergency whereas for, sometimes for Sophia she'll have to go quickly and so now that she's got this passport it's given her a bit more confidence as well to say look I've got this the principal's agreed to it so it's okay um, and oh, that's, that's made her brilliant. feel better. That's a great idea was that your idea or the school? Actually that was the principal's idea. Oh brilliant that's <laughs> yeah. a really great idea it gives her the autonomy to do it herself and and communicate without having to stand out too much that's a great idea that's it because she's starting to get to that age where she's a bit more embarrassed about standing out so yeah exactly um, yeah yeah that's the thing um children are very accepting of 
everything around them experiencing what other children are and and them to a certain extent and then as they get older it gets it gets harder and you just want to fit in which I hear yes. from uh, adults with CF that I speak to very often talk about that realization of oh I don't you know I don't want to be different and I don't want people to know about it so obviously you get a new challenge, I guess, when she starts to go up to... Is she going to go to intermediate or does it go straight to high school? She is. So do you have considerations about how in control will Sophia be in the messaging around her CF when she goes to school? I mean, I guess she is now as well, but because she started there, she's been there since she was little, I guess most people yeah. involved with her I'll do still, know. I'll still go in and talk to them and explain to them she goes dancing at that school, so they already know of her, should I say. Uh, another thing that I've encouraged her to do, because I knew that it was connect, making relationships, building relationships everywhere. And But I'll still go in and talk to them and tell them my worries and hair worries. And, and maybe she'll, she'll probably be more a part of those conversations, whereas she hasn't been with junior school because she hasn't been old enough. But now she will start to listen to some of those. Um, I, I still shield her from a lot of information, <laughs> things that she doesn't need to worry about. That's exactly. just for me to worry about. I should say that Sophia, so she's super active. Uh, she sings, dance, acts, goes to camp, lives a really full life with CF. <laughs> Ingrid, do you know what I do before I go out? No. I Zuno. What? Do you know about Zoom? No. Zuno? Do I? Zuno's long-lasting sanitizers stop bacteria in their tracks using antibacterial technology. Did you know that traditional hand sanitizers and home sanitizers only work whilst wet? meaning bacteria can land and multiply soon after application. Zuno's innovative technology continues to protect your family after application and is proven to be effective on skin for up to how long, Ian? 24 hours. And on surfaces for up to... 30 days. Wow. Water-based and alcohol-free, Zuno products are perfect for humans but deadly to bacteria. Excellent. So to get your Zuno products, visit Zuno.com to take your first steps towards... Long-lasting protection. Zuno, long-lasting protection. And remember to use your exclusive What the CF discount code to receive two free 50ml hand sanitizers with your other Zuno purchases. Simply add two 50ml hand sanitizers to your cart and add the WTCF discount code and those sanitizers will be completely free. So you're a teaching assistant and you actually worked at the school with Sophia, is that correct? So not not with her. I We made a point of not having mum in the same classroom as her, if at all possible. But yes, I um, a job came up and they I hadn't gone back to work. I, well, since we came to New Zealand, I was working full time um, in the UK. But with us um, not having close family near us, I felt like I was very much sort of just Stu went to work and I my job was to be a mum. And then a job came up at school um, just for a few hours a day. They'd already, we were lucky that we got some high health needs funding for Sophia in the first couple of years. 
Um, so there was already a teacher aide that was looking after her. But, um, you know, I was working at the school, so I was around. Well, I still am at the school. I've become part of the furniture now. Um, <laughs> but I'm around if they have questions. I I think I, I used to put a little notebook as well in a lunchbox if they ever had any anybody ever had any questions or worries that they could communicate with me. And I left my phone number everywhere so that anybody could ring me and ask me questions of they were doing something in class that they were test they were eating and whether she needed creon or not so i've always made myself ready readily available and so, so now did, I'm, did they call now you now i'm there yeah <laughs> so did they call they would, you they would call yeah that's good yes a couple of times they did yes you mentioned um about them having that funding so that she got a teacher aid so it's not standard that they would get a teacher aid because of cf no i, I from what i understand not everybody gets the funding um and but it do you have to apply or the school does the um, school do that or did you do that no the, the school uh, the school apply they usually have a semco who who does all these applications you can put some extra information into them the very last one i did i knew the funding was coming to an end so i wrote another story about how how i saw how the cystic fibrosis was managed at school and how she was still learning to manage it herself and they were going to take the so I got another term I think or two terms out of it but I pushed I pushed quite a lot and what age do you feel that Sophia was able to take over more oh gosh not really until eight seven or eight I mean she only learned to swat she had a bit of a gag reflex so she had trouble swallowing swallowing tablets took quite a long time for me to for her to get the confidence to do that um but that opened up a whole new world once she was doing that we didn't have to have apple puree or yogurt somewhere for people just to put it onto a spoon and give it to her and um, having those little granules in your mouth is horrible so yeah once she was swallowing tablets she was away um but the teachers are still still keep an eye on her and all the teacher aides at school will often say Sophia have you eaten something and just speaking to everybody and telling everybody, look, she needs to eat and she needs to do this and she needs to do that. They're all on board. Tell everybody. <laughs> Don't be embarrassed. <laughs> That's so great. And does she does she have um, Fortini and that kind of thing during the day? Is that what it's called? Um, yeah, yeah, only because I stay, I do after school care as well. So we'll get another Fortini in a, um, for afternoon tea, another boost of vitamins and energy and keeping her going a little bit longer. So I've spoken about how Sophia is obviously quite independent and um, managing things really well herself and is very active and is involved in, um, she was involved in school production and plays lots of sports and you also have taken her to camp. Could you tell us a bit about how you approached, oh, my first question is, as a parent of a child with CF, are you automatically allowed to go we haven't had that situation because you you have to pay, so uh, anybody that put their hand up Can would <laughs> be allowed to go at the moment. But yes, I don't have a choice. I have to go to camp. Or Stu could have gone, but um, I guess I knew more people at the school, so I chose to go to camp. Yeah. Um, so how did you yeah. approach, I guess, number one would be deciding if she should go, and number two, the preparation and organisation around, you know, keeping her treatments going and everything else that you need to manage with CF. When you're when you're travelling anywhere on the road with your CFer, 
um, you tend to take an extra suitcase with all sorts of things in it. With camp, I did a lot of, in, looked up a lot of information about the place itself and spoke to lots of people. And I even found out the menu so that I could work out whether she would eat any of the food that was going to be served. And I took food with me. I found out whether I could cook food, whether I had access to microwaves or um, kitchens. I think I even took a bowl and a plate with me. Did you prepare food case. for her there, separate from other children? Um, so we stuck with our fourteeny in the mornings, which helped with breakfast, and then she would eat the toast that was available. So breakfasts were kind of quite easy. Lunch is a little bit more tricky, but I would take some noodles with me or something like that that I could easily um, make for her and lots of snacks. Um, she was pretty good, though, this time. She... Um, she tried lots of the food um, and then you do your superpower crayon guessing to try and <laughs> work out how much fat you should you think she might have eaten and um, I would give her some crayon to and and you could get an idea of what they would put in things whether there was butter involved for example or milk or full fat cream or you know those sorts of things um, I made friends with the chef. I, <laughs> I got a good to idea. know people so that they. Oh, there she is. There's that that woman with the with the child who she she's going to have more questions. Um, I um, found out about the water slide and when it was last cleaned, and um, found out about the river and checking out all the green algae. And um, I did all. I just made. I was quite nosy, to be honest. Um, you have to be. But, <laughs> yeah you do because it's all you know if anybody asks then you just throw the word cystic fibrosis at them and some of them understand and some of them do not understand and they back right off because you're on a mission and I was always on a mission <laughs> and so was there any activities that that she couldn't do I, I mean I guess at school and are there things that she's excluded from or is she pretty much all in with everything um just with you know precautions that you can take um, we are lucky because she is quite fit and active. Her lungs are quite clear at the moment, so she does keep on going. She she did the cross country at school. She's she they were even doing beat tests last year, and she was doing really well at things like that. So I would watch I would watch the temperature of the river, for example. If it was pretty cold, then she would look at me and kind of think, "Oh, I don't know if I should be getting in this river. It's really cold." We cut short the time on the water slide. They were on it for an hour and she started to shake after 35, 40 minutes. Mm. She was cold and she she knew and we both knew to call time out. So we just stepped back and got dry and and then she was ready to go and hit the next activity. So mm. she knows as well to find a balance. It's about finding a balance, isn't it? You, I don't want her to stop her. I don't want to stop her from trying things. What about um, nebulizers and that kind of thing with treatments? Did did you take them with you? How did that work? So she's actually done two camps. The first camp, I took everything with me. I took the steriliser. I took all the equipment. Um, and I was, quite frankly, totally exhausted after that camp. It was so hard to... Because you go as a parent, so you're helping. So I was helping with a group of kids and feeding Sophia and getting treatments in and then... and the kitchen was miles away so then I'm walking with a sterilite you know that was really really hard this this camp that we just did in October last year 
I decided not to do the treatments. We did the treatment the day that she left. We were we were only on away two nights. Mm. Um, so we did the treatment in the morning before we left. And then um, we took inhalers with us and things like that, just in case we needed them. Um, and then we did treatments when we got home on the Friday evening as well. Um, and I just would, I wanted to see how she would cope with that. And I mean, she's getting lots and lots of exercise. So there's lots of physio going on anyway. I think if she'd been poorly, if she'd, if obviously we wouldn't have gone if she wasn't very well. And what about her sharing a room? Like, do you sleep in a room with her? Were you two isolated on your own or was she sleeping in a dorm with other kids? No, that was one of the things I was worried about. She was in a dorm with eight others. And yeah, COVID is is still very much around. I was nervous about that, but I made sure the room was ventilated. Lots of windows were open and I, I didn't want to single her out too much. You know, she could have come and we could have slept somewhere else, just the two of us. But um, I decided to to just go for it and try and be brave. She went and she had a great time. She was with her friends. She doesn't do many sleepovers. We haven't gone down that road just yet. So this was a big thing for her. Yeah, it's a big step for um, you, really. And weighing up the risks versus the experience. Um, but with all the precautions and preparation that you're doing, um, which sounds amazing, by the way, there's so many things that that people can learn and think about by what you're saying is just just the things that come into mind about um, the chef and what you say to people and looking around the accommodation and looking around the different activities and what works. There's so many different aspects that as a CF parent, you kind of shoulder. And I think you mentioned earlier, you know, you shield her from a lot of the information that she she just doesn't need to know. So there's just that extra sort of, a burden that you carry not that the child is a burden but you know the the cf yeah um that that we carry so that they can just go and live yeah absolutely there was a there was a um a rubbish bin old rubbish bin full of green watery slimy water that was hiding behind the back of school Uh. and i as my my alarm (laughs) bells go off you know like oh my goodness and i just casually walked by and turned it upside down and tipped it out around the corner out of the way and left it uh, upside down so it wouldn't catch any more rainwater Um, you see it everywhere lots of places that you go anything that's green and slimy she sophia grew pseudomonas quite a lot in her early years and that put her in hospital to have a line in so pseudomonas is something that has made me quite nervous um so yeah any green slime when even having swimming lessons i would make sure that those pools were super clean and there was nothing sitting no puddles sitting anywhere for anything to grow in um i'm I'm always turning things upside down if it's catching water (laughs) i think um cf parents have kind of like eagle eyes for stagnant water (laughs) and if you're like water 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 anything water we're just yeah um extra extra careful of probably overly cautious with a lot of things but yeah it's just once you know about all the different things that you have to be careful with it initially is very overwhelming and then i think it becomes second nature where you just click with like nope 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 (laughs) you just kind of know yeah i walk into a classroom in school and if the windows aren't open I will open those windows, even if it's winter time. They need fresh air. They need fresh air. And yeah. um, so, what about um, going to the future? So, we talked a little bit about she'll be going to high school, and you'll go through a similar process, but she'll be involved in that. But with the announcement um, of Trackafter hopefully being funded from April 
this year in New Zealand. How does that change, you know, how, I guess you won't know yet, but like, how are you viewing the future with her school life? Yeah, I'm, I'm, a, I'm still a bit nervous about it. I, I mean, but it, it hasn't worked for everybody. There's some people that have struggled a little bit with it and, um, yeah, I'm, nervously optimistic yes <laughs> i is it because um, there's will... the side effects too is that what you're, you're talking about not working with the, yeah, the side effects yeah. often can be quite severe for some people yes yeah and um i had a good chat with our physio at the hospital we had our clinic just before christmas and you know we'll still do the we'll still do the physio as we're doing now and stick to our routines and i'll still be on the lookout and we'll just still take it day by day and see how, what happens and the effects and hopefully the the miracle that I'm hoping for that you know she is becomes a lot more well and stronger and hopefully get a bit of weight on her because um those little legs look like they might snap any minute and um yeah all those positives that we're hoping for yeah I've got my fingers and everything crossed I I have read a couple of accounts um of people on Trikafta who had to slow down their eating because they put on weight for the first time in their lives and started to think, oh, "Oh, I actually can't eat like I used to because I'm putting on weight, Um, which was a completely (laughs) new thing um, for adult CFers um, to experience where they'd always had to struggle to keep weight on. Suddenly they had to think, oh, maybe I shouldn't have that second bowl of pasta today, (laughs) whatever it was. So, yeah, fingers crossed that that, that's the experience. So if we're just going to wrap things up, because you've gone through the sort of early school years, if you were talking to a parent whose child was starting school this year or next year, so they're starting to think about school and how that's going to work and the stress of trying to calculate Creon and lunchboxes and all that kind of stuff, what would your top tips be to a parent who's who's starting to stress about that stuff? Just don't be afraid to speak out and you know it's it's a serious condition. It's not to be swept under the carpet in any way. So go and look at the schools and chat to whoever's showing you round and explain that you have some worries and get that feel for the school and you know you you'll come away with a good vibe and trust your instincts and and don't be scared just go for it we want them to live a normal as normal a life as possible um but you do what you feel is right for you and your family and i'm so grateful um because i found a great school that backed me and supported me and wanted to learn too so that's always a massive bonus i hope i'm giving people encouragement to just go for it i mean even those that want to homeschool you know, there's nothing wrong with that either. Did um, you consider homeschooling while she yeah. was young? Yeah, I considered wrapping her in bubble wrap and <laughs> yeah. keeping her in her room forever. <laughs> so what 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 flipped it to her going to school rather than homeschooling? Oh, just to have friends. Friends are so important and you get good friends, then they help you. And that's great, isn't it? You know, it's important to have friends and build those friendships it's part of growing up and learning and socializing and and um having met her via zoom previously you know she's loving her school her time at school and what she participates in and so does everybody else by the sound of it like when she did her theater debut <laughs> and yeah she pulled off her, 
pulled off the performing arts trophy at prize giving and oh brilliant class certificate well deserved she's worked really hard that's great do you think she works harder because she has cf (laughs) or if it's just her personality i know i think it's her personality but i mean i i'm tired from taking her to all the things that (laughs) she does but it's important that she gets all that exercise and she tries all these different things and works out what she wants to do with her life. And I wanted to have those choices. Oh, I tried that once, but I didn't really like it that much. Or I tried that once and I loved it and I'm going to do this forever. I want her to be able to have those choices. Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, Helen, thanks so much for joining us on What the CF. It's been great to have a chat and hear about Sophia's life at school and how we're looking positively to the future. Onwards to yeah. intermediate soon. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. Just slow that next year down. (laughs) (laughs) The last five years have flown by. So yeah, it comes around too quick. Thank you so much. That's all good. (laughs) Thank you.